Coming up on golf today, Scotty Scheffler has a chance to take back the top spot in the official World Golf Ranking this week in Mayakoba. Just how feisty will the fight for number one be in 2023? Mattia Titikun wears the crown on the LPGA Tour as the best player in the world. Can anyone stop her from a dominant finish? And Jordan Smith stops by after a big win in Portugal. What was the key to shooting a record 30 under par for the week? 27 birdies and three eagles. All secrets revealed on Golf Today. Golf Today. Today on a Tuesday, Damon Hack alongside Matt Adams. We survived Halloween. I didn't even touch a piece of candy. I went to the no gym and worked out. I didn't no want to give that. the workout back. Truthfully, not even a Snickers bar was had. What were you guys giving out last night? We were giving out uh, Kit Kats and red licorice, but I didn't have one. My boys, on the other hand, you yeah. want to talk about going crazy? My wife said the boys looked like they were pregnant. They had the, the, the big belly before they, <laughs> before they went to bed, and then they were all sluggish. First, they were hyperactive, and then they were very sluggish yeah, yes, before bedtime. I asked Damon yesterday, <laughs> what was the number of, of pieces of candy you'll allow the, the triplets to have before they go to bed? You said it would be double digits. Oh, easily. It's, uh, I don't have the energy to fight them at this point. Triple There's double. three of them. You know, just, just, you know, just go to oh, yeah, bed. You, got, you got to go to zone defense. Go to now. zone defense and hope for the best. But I tell you what, a lot of people in the golf world, they got in the spirit of Halloween. You see all the pictures floating around? Social, we had John Rahm. I think it's like a, a Lion King. That, that's Simba. Kappa. Yeah, Simba. Nice. That's, that's, you know, is that Pride Rock, I guess, behind them? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty, uh, pretty good costume. Oh, look at the Donalds. Ready for Rome, I guess, huh? Uh, very well done. That must yeah. be the theme. Got to be the theme for the Ryder Cup. That too. 2023. This is the Streelman's Willy Wonka. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Very well done. Now do the flip. That's all I got. The best opening scene when he came out <laughs> with the cane. That's right. Oh, wow. Darina Mendoza. Uh, dinosaurs, I guess. Kind of blending in with the, with the green uh, grass. Dinosaurs or alligators? Maybe they're alligators. Well, those are the hack boys. Three guys. The aforementioned Kyrie, LeBron, and Damian Lillard. Probably 125 pieces of candy between them yesterday, and they stormed the neighborhood. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> that looks awesome. I'm <laughs> Absolutely. glad everybody had so much fun. They definitely got in the spirit. It's a great time of year as well, not just because yeah. of the holidays, but the PGA Tour makes its annual stop, as you know, in Mexico. I think it's a sneaky good spot for the Worldwide Technology Championship. First event was played back in 2007, has been held at El Camelion at Mayacoba Resort every year since then. Also notable, Matt, is that the fans will be allowed on site for the first time in three years. That wasn't allowed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And the field, sneaky strong in my opinion. You got some former world number ones like Jason Day and Scotty Scheffler and Justin Rose. You got Colin Morikawa as a two-time Major champ Billy Horschel won a FedEx Cup, as did Justin Rose. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, and of course, Seamus Power yeah. back back there, too, coming off his win. Uh, it's important to note that this week will mark the first time that Scotty Scheffler will make a PGA Tour start not as world number one since the World Golf Championship Dell Technologies match play all the way back in March. 
Rory McIlroy, of course, is sitting atop the rankings now after winning at the CJ Cup in South Carolina. But Scheffler can get that spot back this week with a win or a solo second-place finish mm. in the Mayakoba. Brings us to today's edition of Fill in the Blank. We've got three prompts starting this afternoon. Let's start with, with Scotty Scheffler. You know, he will regain world number one because what? You know, the thing with Scotty Scheffler for me is that Scotty Scheffler is one of those rare players that doesn't seem to be consumed by the stage. Uh, Scotty Scheffler told us after he, he started to win and a lot, and then he told us after he became number one, consistently he kept saying, it won't change me, it won't change me, right? And then now we see as a body of evidence None of it has changed him. Yeah. So I think that for, for a player to get to number one and every player that has ascended to number one has told us in retrospect how important it is and how much they want to stay or how much they want to get it back again. Leading up to it, they tend to say, you know, playing well, winning takes care of itself. So right. I'm just going to try to play the best I can and see what happens. But once they get that brass ring, once they get to the top of the world, they don't want to leave it mm. again. I think in terms of just with ease and comfort, I haven't seen anybody wear that crown with less pressure, seemingly, than the way Scotty Scheffler did. It's well said. I love how he achieved it, you know, with people saying, oh, well, he hasn't really done anything, hasn't done enough, you know, kind of quietly going about his business. Gets to number one at the match play. Wins the Masters as the number one player in the world and holds on to that ranking from March to October in a turbulent year. You know, all these questions about the fracturing in professional golf and Rory McIlroy's role and Tiger Woods comes back to the Masters. And here is Scotty Scheffler just kind of going about his business. Mm -hmm. And I love how you describe it. Did not change. You know, and I think sometimes these players do change or they, they, they fight against it or all of a sudden they have all this media attention or all of a sudden sure. they feel like they have to kind of expand or change the way they go about their business. To me, Scotty Scheffler got caught by Rory McIlroy, continued to play well throughout the summer, even with that heavy crown. Being number one in the world from March to October, I thought, impressive. was very impressive. Yeah, especially in the year that was, because there was some good golf played. You mentioned Rory McIlroy, so let's fill in the blank here. Rory mm. will maintain world number one for the foreseeable future because? Because the putter has become a weapon. And I tell you, I go back to the fall at Whistling Straits and those tears on Sunday after he finally contributed uh, to Team Europe and beating Xander Schauffele in singles and talking about how much the Ryder Cup means to him. I think he was embarrassed by his play, and I felt that that week would be a turning point for him. What I did not know was that he would find his voice in this era of fractured golf as such an ally and proponent for traditional golf and the PGA Tour, that he found something outside of himself, Matt, to fight for and to play for. And I think some players would have been burdened by that. He used it as jet fuel to his yeah. game. Already massively talented. But the work he's done with Brad Faxon on the putter has been impressive. But also seeing him kind of find a reason to fight outside of himself, that's another reason why I think Rory could maintain that spot atop the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting perspective. Uh, Rory McIlroy, as we know, is a huge boxing fan. Uh, mm. Rory McIlroy 
I think, loves the mental position, the posturing of being an underdog. Mm. Just look at the way he, he carries himself in the Ryder Cup as an example. Loves to be put in that position where the fighter comes out of him. Because if we're honest about it, and you think about Rory over the course of the last decade, from when he first became world number one to being back to world number one again, there were whispers about motivation, sure. about just how committed he was to being the very best that he possibly could be. So I completely agree with you that Rory has been pushed, and as he's been pushed, he's got something to prove. And I do think that part of what Rory wants to prove, for example, I think he's going to try to chase down Greg Norman in terms oh, of yes. total weeks at, at world number one. However, even though you mentioned the, the fact that, as, as you phrase it, that he has weaponized the putter, and I do think that that's important, I think the reason why that has happened is because he's got less pressure on the putter. Follow me for a second on this. If you look at Rory over that same time span that we've been talking about, if there was a weakness in his game, people tend to look at the putter. But the putter many times is a reflection of the pressure that's put on before you get to even making a putt. Mm. And for Rory, it was control with his wedge, yeah. generally from 50 to 125 yards. There were spans during that realm where he wasn't even close to average. Now, in the spring of this year, he changed his golf ball, and he said he credited the golf ball with maybe it was a confidence thing with getting more control with his wedges. But prior to that, you look at it and go, wait a minute, there were times that you were airmailing greens by 10, 20 yards from that same time frame. It, it doesn't matter what golf ball you're hitting in terms of that level of control, but now he has the level of control for whatever the reason is, confidence or otherwise. So I think we already know Rory McIlroy is world-class mm. off the tee. When you look at what he did at the CJ Cup, right, approach the greens, he picked up, what, 12 strokes to the field and strokes game approach. It was unbelievable yeah. with just that one area of performance that it eclipsed even what he did off the tee. Now if he has that control, because so often for Rory McIlroy, because he's Rory McIlroy, it's going to be a wedge that he has in his hand, that is such a formidable weapon. However, he's not in the field this week. Right. So Scotty Scheffler to finish first or solo second is not a huge mm. stretch for the former world number one. And then it's a question of what happens at the hero because they're still going to get world ranking points there too. And can they dodge and weave? If Rory makes it through those two events and he's still number one as we go into a bit of a down period through the holidays, he's going to hold it, I mm. believe, for some time. Love you brought up the wedges. I remember watching Rory a few years ago in Akron. It was either long or or even sometimes short. And when you have as many wedges in your hand as Rory McIlroy, no one's going to have more wedges into, into greens than Rory McIlroy in this era, the way he plays the game. I think that's a great point you make, him tightening up that part of his game. So we've talked about Rory. We've talked about Scotty. If not them, who has the best chance to be number one you in know, the world? I on this one, I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa. Now, now Colin Morikawa, you could look at that right now and go, wait a minute, he's, he's currently ranked ninth in the world, and it seems like a big divide, but you don't have to go very far back to he was number two in the world. We're talking about yes. this spring when he was number two, just through the Masters and the RBC Heritage. Remember this summer, he had a fifth place finish, tie for fifth at the U.S. Open. He had a tie for fifth at the FedEx St. Jude Classic, but not even looking back at what he did most recently, he, at this time of year, likes to charge out of the gate fast. Uh, last season, he won the DP World Tour Championship. He was tied for fifth 
at the Hero World Championship. Now, if people remember, they can say, well, he faded down the end. He did, but he still finished tied for fifth, all said and done. He was second at the Century Tournament of Champions. He was tied for second at the Genesis Invitational, and he finished fifth at the Masters. So there is a bit of flow and ebb, as we well know, in the professional game, and we've seen that from Colin Morikawa. But I believe that Colin Morikawa right now has really found his groove again, that beautiful ball striking mm. that he's capable of, and I think it could carry him back to the top of the mountain. Had a chance to be world number one on that Saturday night into Sunday in the Hero. Had a very tough final round. A lot was going on in his life at the time. Was getting engaged and everything. And I think we saw how important that number one ranking is to these players and how hard it is to kind of kind of climb that last bit of the mountain to get there. But he obviously has the game to get it done. Someone who has been atop that mountain is John Rahm. That's my person who I think, if not Rory or Scotty Scheffler, because he's been there before. He has been a dominant number one kind of similar to a Dustin Johnson or a Scotty Scheffler or a Rory McIlroy who seems to, to luxuriate with the eyeballs and luxuriate carrying the crown atop his head. Surprising to me to see John Rahm without a top 10 in a major championship in 22. Or the tie for 12 was his best finish uh, in a major this year. And also the struggles that he had around the greens this year. Most of his stats in 2022 look like they did in 2021 when he won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. He'll tighten up that part of his game, I imagine. Had another child as well, so he's had some life things to deal with. Yeah. But the game, I walked away from whistling straights, and I've said this quite a bit. I felt like, despite Europe losing, he was, without question in my mind, the best player in the world. I was so impressed just watching him, the swagger that he carries, yes. the appreciation for history and talking about Seve and Nicholas and Tiger. He knows what he wants to accomplish and believes he is of that ilk. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, I, and I, for me personally, too, I was, I was debating between John Rahm and Colin Morikawa, as you mm. know, because I think it's, it's at, this, at this level, it's, it's hairbreadth between sure. them. The difference with, with John Rahm is that, and it's almost become a cliche, right? We talk about his passion. Right. I believe that John Rahm views himself as one of the best players in the world. And I think if you really went into a player's heart, they're going to tell you that universally they have to. When I'm at my best, I am the best player yeah. in the world. And I think that fire, I think that passion is what's going to carry him back to the top of the world if he's destined to do so because he views himself of it. He's capable of it. And what I'm particularly impressed with with John Rahm is the ability that John Rahm has to win on a variety of different golf courses. Mm. He's won the Irish Open on Lynx courses multiple times, most recently on La Hinch. He's won in the desert, both on the West Coast of the United States and in the Middle East. Mm. He wins on all kinds of different venues. He has a game that carries. Normally, his putting is so sound. You talked about it was unusual that his putting might have been a little bit off, and mm. I do believe that sometimes the putter is a window into the soul. He had a lot going on in mm. life. Life comes at you fast, mm. and I think when he gets that settled down again, I do think that John Rahm is going to be formidable, and the reason why he's going to be formidable is not what we were talking about earlier, where I play well and I let, care, let it take care of itself. It's because John Rahm darn well wants it. I love the fire, or sometimes it, it seems to consume him, maybe less so of late than it did earlier in his career. The question was, is the temper going to cost him 
too many strokes? Will will a bogey follow a, a double bogey because he's just so mad and so so fiery? I, I think don't know he's, if he's that much if that guy. Yeah, I, I think he's matured and learned to control it. One other aspect, in addition to what we've talked about, all the things going on with him, is is not to mention the this fracturing atop the professional game and kind of his role and his voice and kind of wondering, well, how much will I be able to play? on the DP World Tour, which is a tour he also sure. loves and appreciates. And he's talked about what talking playing about the, 20th the Spanish Open. Absolutely. And I think that was on his mind as well. And, of course, he carried that weight so beautifully, knowing what it means when he plays in the Spanish Open and wins the Spanish Open, what it means to the country and the youth of that country. That's and also again, a part of it. And, again, history with Seve. Oh, he was right there was talking about it. Very aware yeah. of that. All right, Jordan Smith is now a two-time winner on the DP World Tour after his three-shot victory in last week's Portugal Masters. He will join the program right after this break. You don't want to miss this. Golf Today, brought to you by Wind Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Bushnell Golf and the new Pro X3. The best just got even better. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, my God, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Welcome back to Golf Today. What a week it was for Jordan Smith at the Portugal Masters. The Englishman fired a 62 on Saturday, only to follow that up with a 63 on Sunday to win for the second time in the DP World Tour. His first victory since 2017. Here is a look at the 29-year-old's bio. There you can see his birthplace in the historic Bath, England. He turned pro in 2014. His one career PGA Tour top 10 was a tie for ninth at the 2017 PGA Championship. Nine top 10s in the DP World Tour just this season. As we mentioned, two career DP World Tour wins now. The 2017 Porsche European Open and, of course, the 2022 uh, Masters, Portugal Masters. And we are so delighted to have his company. With that, we say welcome, Jordan to the show so i'm interested how have the last two days been for you now that you have won a couple times in the dp world tour after that break of five years 
No, thanks for having me. It's been um, it's been pretty insane. It's only <laughs> just really uh, really settled in because um, as soon as I finished, I did the the prize ceremony and signed a few autographs and pictures, and then got on a plane and and flew flew straight home. So unfortunately, I couldn't really celebrate too too much. Um, but yeah, it's just just over the moon with with how how this year's gone and how last week went. So um, yeah, just really really happy. Let's talk about last week. 27 birdies, three eagles on the week. Tim Barter mentioned a grip change or putter change. What specifically was different last week? Um, it was it was definitely my putting. It was easily the, the best I've ever putted. So um, a few months ago at the French Open, I, I decided to put a, a different putter in and try the claw grip, which was meant to be a, an, an off-season project. But um, it managed to, to slip its way into, into the bag and into my putting and it just felt incredible in practice. So me and my putting coach decided to, you know what, let's just uh, check ourselves in the in the deep end and give it a go, and it's, it's worked well. Jordan, I'm curious about the span from 2017 until last week. How difficult was for you to, to convince yourself that you can win again? Were there times of darkness? Were there times of doubt? Um, I, th I think as... As the years and the seasons went on, I got got more and more sort of doubt in my head. But I, I was just putting too much pressure on myself to to perform. And um, yeah, it was just very emotional last week um, to finally get over that line again and just know know that I can do it again and and get back there. So um, yeah, it was very very emotional. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming. Part of that emotion, Jordan, when you caught up with Tim Barter after the win, you mentioned a friend who had passed away. Why did you uh, dedicate the win to them? Um, it was um, so my wife's uh, sister, uh, my sister-in-law. She she passed away suddenly um, early this year um, when when I was in Qatar. So had to fly home, and um, yeah, so I just wanted to dedicate that to her and. Obviously, it's something special and, and, and someone very, very close to me. So, um, yeah, it meant the world to, to their family and it meant the world to me. Jordan, after your victory, European Ryder Cup captain Luke Donald called last week a very good week for European golf and for Ryder Cup Europe. Obviously, you are on the captain's radar. I'm very curious how much making this European Ryder Cup team is on yours. Yeah, that is that's going to be my 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 main goal for next year for sure. Is he 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 messaged me Sunday night actually, which was incredible, just to say well done and and see you next week in South Africa and yeah. So it's nice to know that I'm on his radar. Um, and obviously, a lot of things have changed this year and will change next year. So um, to make that Ryder Cup team will just be a dream come true, and I'll be hopefully keeping up my uh, my good performances and um, make my way onto that team. How do you do that, Jordan? How do you keep things simple? More eyeballs will be on you, more attention. Sometimes when you win, maybe you, you want to change something else or feel like you have to do something differently. How do you keep things simple? Um, I think that's something that we've done a lot of this year. Um, we, we, we made quite a lot of changes from, from the previous three years to so change equipment, um, change caddy, um, just things needed to to change. It was getting a bit bit stale, and I was on a bit of a bit of a downward trend. So things needed a change. So this year, it's been keeping things simple with not just me and my caddy, but my coaches. And um, yeah, I think going into going into next year, it'd be more of the same, more more simple sort of thoughts and and uh, technical thoughts. And 
keep uh, keep this good run uh, run going. Yeah, before you even get to next year, though, you still have work to do in the season that lies before us that quickly will be coming to its conclusion. I'm curious about your thoughts over the next few weeks as well as heading into the festive period when hopefully you'll get a chance to look back and reflect on your body of work this year. Yeah, definitely. So we, uh, well, I'm, I'm flying out to South Africa on Saturday for the Ned Bank. Um, and then after that, it's the it's the season finale in Dubai. So they're two, two big tournaments for us. So I'll be looking to now uh, push on into that top five on the, on the DP World uh, Tour Order of Merit. Um, so my goal this year was to get inside the top 10, which I've done now. So hopefully we can push on from that. And um, yeah, just top top this um, really good year off with uh, with a couple more good finishes. Speaking of pushing on, you can push on the gas pedal after that ace at the Genesis Scottish Open. You got a car and your caddy got a car as well. Take us through this shot and maybe kind of the state of the car. Are you getting some miles logged in? <laughs> Um, yeah, it was it was pretty incredible to be fair because obviously as you can see there, there's quite a quite a bit of a, a banking and the and the pins in quite a big bowl, so we can actually see the ball um, making its way down to the uh, down to the pin. So as it landed, the the crowd were getting louder and louder and louder, and then obviously the big roar, and then obviously you know it's 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 gone in the hole. So um, yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. But the, I mean, we played that hole unbelievably well all week so I made a made a two on the first day um hole in the 70 footer and then made the hole of one on the on the Friday and hit it to about two foot on Saturday and then about six foot on Sunday so I think we played that hole in uh, in seven all week so uh, yeah it was pretty incredible Jordan I'm curious I always love asking players uh, this question after a recent win I, I guess I'll make it a two-part how many messages do you estimate that you got in the wake of your victory? And was there anyone in that mix of messages and congratulatory uh, statements that surprised you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still sort of having to make my way through um, through most of them. But obviously, the, the main one was obviously from Luke Donald. So I, d I don't have his number uh, saved in my, in my contacts. So uh, <laughs> I just got this random number. And then at the bottom of the message said from Luke. So um yeah that that was pretty pretty incredible pretty special special and nice to know that uh he's been watching so um yeah hopefully i'll be able to get through them um by the end of this week take your time enjoy the ride you've earned all those messages jordan thanks for the time and congratulations no problem thanks for having me all right jordan smith able to get it done so here's a look at the dp world rankings with his win jordan is now up to ninth on the list everybody chasing Rory McIlroy top the DP World Tour rankings. And there's a new number one on the women's side of the game. 19-year-old sensation Nataya Titikun is making her first start on top of the golfing world. What makes the team so special? We'll discuss after the break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Back on golf today, already been an incredible rookie campaign for Ataya Titikun. Not just that much sweeter. This week at the Toto Japan Classic, the 19-year-old will tee it up for the first time in her career on top of the Rolex World Ranking. Let's take a look at those rankings. She grew up in Thailand, by the way. Since her grandfather introduced her to the game, it was going to be tennis or golf. She was a bit of a sickly child. They wanted to get her outside. She chose golf because tennis had too much running. Says she was inspired by the Jutanagarn sisters in Portland, Patlam of Thailand as well. And now she is the number one player in the world. Maddie, what impresses you the most about this teenager? Uh, everything. <laughs> when, you know, only the second player under 20 to reach world number one at, at 19 years, eight months, and some days. Lydia Ko did it at 17 years and nine months back in 2015. But there was a quote that she made that stood out to me in particular, because sometimes, I think in all walks of life, but in particular in golf, when you have very, very young people, they do something remarkable. And at times I wonder if they were able to break through simply because of the fact that they didn't know the weight of what they had just accomplished, right? And then they look back in retrospect and go, geez, I can't believe I did that. I don't get that impression with her. She said the following, I'm quoting, it is very special to get to the top, but much harder to retain it, close quote. And what struck me about that, and we heard the same thing from Rory McIlroy, both in the advice that he gave to Tom Kim, if you remember, mm. and what he said in reflection once he did, in fact, ascend back to number one of the game, where he was talking about how getting there is one thing, but staying there is another thing, or in, in his case, getting back there again, as he's done multiple times. So it is, that, it is that sense of presence that impressed me. And those same comments that I was just referencing, she also thanked her family mm. about how it was. It was as if it was not just her, but she brings other people into the fold, which certainly passes around the weight a little bit, if sure. you will. So it's all those things that, that impressed me so much. The fact that, you know, the, the first thing I was thinking about is how it compares to, from a historic standpoint, uh, Nancy Lopez, mm. right? Because Nancy Lopez, uh, if you compare her at, at age 20, wins before age 20, Matthias, two, Nancy Lopez had zero, but there should be a big asterisk right next to that because at age 20, Nancy Lopez won nine times in 1978. So I reached out to Nancy uh, last evening and I just, I, I wasn't looking for anything really heavy necessarily from, from Nancy Lopez. I was just looking for what do you think of what you're seeing? And, and she answered me very succinctly and said, uh, speaking of Athaya, she said, she's awesome. Mm. 
I love that. And I love that you reached back in history for a legend to compare a tie to. I, I reached for a more recent uh, star, a legend in Lydia Ko. And, and we see the, the teenage success that a tie is having. And it reminded me a little bit of, of younger Lydia. And you see what Lydia did before the age of 20 with 14 wins compared to just the two that Ataya has. You see the age they became world number one, 19 for Ataya, 17 for Lydia. But Ataya is the youngest ever to win a professional event. Lydia once had that. Uh, Ataya is younger, younger than Brooke Henderson was, younger than Rio Ishikawa was when he first won at the age of 15. And it's not just that she has two LPGA wins. She also has four ladies European tour wins to her credit as well. And to me, that counts. And I love how you started this segment by wondering if these teenagers even know how the sausage is made. Do they know what they're doing, or will it be five, ten years from now? I used to cover the National Football League. We'd ask Steve Young. I was a 49ers beat writer. Steve, do you know if this feels like a Super Bowl season? Does this feel like a special team? And he would say, guys, I, I won't know until afterwards. Like, I won't know in week eight or week nine. But I might know in February when I look back on the season if we got eliminated in the wild card or did we hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy. And I, I just love I think about that 25 years later that when you're in the throes of it, when you're in the mix of it, you don't always know how you do what you do. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Of course, this week, the LPGA Tour finishes its Asian swing in Japan with the Toto Japan Classic. It is a special week for this event as it returns the LPGA Tour to, for the first time since 2019. The Toto Japan Classic was held the last two years, but solely as a Japan LPGA event due to COVID-19 pandemic. Now, of course, it is back on the LPGA Tour. And with just two events left before the CME Group Tour Championship, here you can see a look at the top 10 on the race, the CME Globe. It is absolutely packed. We all know the magic number for the tour finale, of course, is 60, as only the top 60 players in the race to the CME Globe will qualify for the CME Group Tour Championship at Tiburon Golf Club. So over the next two weeks, what is your boldest prediction for the rest of the season? All right, so there's three events in total, including the CME Group Tour Championship. I got bold for you. I think Itaya Titikun will win two what? of the next three events. You ask for bold, and I'm going with bold. I think this young player is doesn't know how the sausage is made, and that's a good thing. Patrick Harrington talked about that at the PGA Championship at Kiowa. There's that innocence period. She is right in the middle of that, where it is all good. It's Are all you upside. My stuff? Am I stealing it? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm confirming it. I'm, I'm piggybacking on you. I think that she's gonna have a very special finish to what has already been a special season. You know, it's funny because here we're talking about the comparison is made between her and Lydia Ko, right? And right now, Lydia Ko is in the throes of chasing down three major awards. Yes. This, still this season. So, you know, and I know it's, she, she's the, the, the changing of coach from, with, with Sean Foley and all that, that goes on into it, but I just don't believe that that is, it, I don't get a sense that it's tethered with a great deal of emotion or negativity, or mm. distraction that many times a change of that stature would. Uh, I was mentioning this to you yesterday, in, in yesterday's program, 
Uh, Sean Foley could do the X's and O's as well as any other coach in the world. We've seen that, right? But much like Butch Harmon, where he's more than just a swing coach. He becomes yeah. a mentor to the players. When it's Sean Foley and you talk to people that have worked with him, he tends to be almost golf's spiritual guide, I would, I would say. So even though they may not be working together from the standpoint of where's the club and position on the backswing or at the top or at impact, I, she has said that there, he's still a mentor. So I just don't see that as being a massive distraction. Lydia Ko strikes me as a player that is right now more comfortable in her skin than any other player in the game. Mm. We're talking about a legend in Lydia Ko. And you know what? That legend is still only 25 years old. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. So I think, and, and save this video for a couple weeks down the road, I'm going to say that Lydia Ko wins the CME Group Tour championship. I think I think wow. she's that much on song. She's done it before. Uh, she could do it again. I was also considering Lydia. I don't think this is a major distraction. Saying goodbye to Sean Foley, I think it was probably in the works, but it could be a minor one. She's such a thoughtful human being that maybe even concerns about the perception of she's got them a lot going up in her life. She's got a wedding she's yeah. planning. Absolutely. So I think those things make me slightly cautious as we look toward the end of this season, which is why I give a slight advantage to the 19-year-old titty cut. You know, I just think there's a different level of focus when you're actually in a race with someone else that's starting to come down to mm. a couple of primary yeah. individuals. And I think that's going to provide some more focus there, too, to, to steal your word, if I may. <laughs> and before we go to break, we wanted to pay tribute to a very important award from the PGA of America. John Solheim has been announced as the 2022 PGA Distinguished Service Award recipient. Solheim is the CEO of Ping, and he has more than, get this, 170 patents to his name. Influence, of course, golf clubs and bag designs for, well, generations. Solheim is the son of Ping founder Karsten and Luis Solheim. They are also the founders of the Solheim Cup. The award is given to individuals who display leadership and humanitarian qualities, including integrity, sportsmanship, and enthusiasm for the game of golf. John joins a list of some incredible names. Look at this list who have received this prestigious award. Congratulations to John, and thank you for all that you have done for this wonderful game of golf. Golf Today, we'll be right back. on golf today happy birthday to the black knight nine-time major champ gary player 87 years young probably doing some push-ups and sit-ups somewhere and what a resume this world golf hall of fame member trailblazer maybe has flown more miles than any athlete ever maybe any person ever you see the number of wins the majors one of five players to complete the career grand slam and kept it going on PJ Tour champions, nine more majors, 22 wins, all those World Cup appearances, President's Cup captaincy, and they're inducted in the World Golf Hall of Fame back in 1974. So to celebrate uh, the Black Knight's birthday, I mean, a lot of moments. You know, he once came on Golf Channel and said, good morning, Damon, and then went on like a riff for 15 minutes about Chambers Bay. That's not my favorite moment. I'm going to save it. What's oh. your favorite Gary Player moment. Well, I think the thing that that marks Gary Player, when, when you look at him in, in terms of one of the game's great historic figures, and, and he's certainly on uh, would be on the game's Mount Olympus, is that 
uh, the fact that he always cast himself in this role of the underdog as as a smaller guy did did the uh, the working out back in the day used to used to travel with exercise equipment to make him stronger uh, coming from where he did in South Africa the way he kind of he, he just ground his way at each stage and through uh, in many ways he did it through pure belief he just wouldn't allow he constantly will talk about not talking negative to yourself, not allowing negative thoughts to come into your mind. So it was the power of all these things that seemed to carry him. When we were looking at that graphic showing his accomplishments, nine major championships, right? That ties him for fourth all time alongside of Ben Hogan. Think about that for a second. And the nine senior major championships. There's no one else in the history of the game that has nine and nine on each side. He holds that distinction uh, solely to himself, and I know he's, he's rightfully very proud about that. But the moment for me was the 1978 Masters. Here he was coming into the final round, seven shots adrift of the lead. Now, we often hear about, talk about, and remember when Arnold Palmer was seven shots back when he came back and won at Cherry Hills to win the U.S. Open. But when Gary Player did it, he did it at 42 years old with a 30 on the back nine. And when he did it, he became the oldest since Sam Sneed had won back in 1941, a year earlier than him, younger mm. than him when he did it. So the accomplishment uh, was historic in so many different ways for Gary Player. And again, there's so much to choose from from him. It's hard to narrow it down. Yeah. But that win in 1978 was really distinctive. What did you choose? I chose 61 in the Masters. I love how you described him grinding his way yeah. Into the state, into the world stage. He also, you know, grinded his way into what was the Jack Nicholas Arnold Palmer rivalry. The big three. In 1961. He made it the big three by butting his his belief in in that undersized frame. And here he is in 1961, kissing wife Vivian. There's also a video of him kissing wife Vivian after Arnold Palmer double bogeys the 72nd hole, which allowed Gary to become the first international winner of the green jacket. It was a passionate, warm, loving embrace, like a scene out of the love boat. He was so happy that he was able to win a green jacket. And I just, uh, the passion that he carried in the 1960s is the passion that he carries in 2022. I'm looking forward to a conversation with him next week. I'm writing a piece for the Masters Journal on Amen Corner. I can't wait to get his thoughts on, on going through those three famous holes, maybe those famous three-hole stretch in all of golf. He is a fount of knowledge, a fount of energy, but you're right, and I love the Ben Hogan comparison, another undersized, absolute champion. Yeah, and when you think about uh, Gary Player winning that Masters, his quote about that Masters was, the only ones that wanted me to win was my wife and my dog. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about him up against Arnold Palmer at the time, who was the matinee idol oh. of the game. He couldn't have gotten bigger than Arnold Palmer in that era. And to have snuck away with that win, I think it's kind of a microcosm of everything that we're talking about with Gary Player. Even when it seemed like, in that case, probably was in reality, the world was against him. Yeah. He was able to do what he needed to do in order to secure victory. And he did it nine times, uh, we, even when he was playing on the flat belly tour. Again, to do it nine times on the champs as well, mm. combining those two together, it's just one more mark that is pretty incredible from Gary Player. No doubt. Happy 87th birthday to Gary Player. From an undersized guy to a, to a big man. How about Tony Finau could say it was a 
breakout season for him doubled his win total on the PGA Tour. Can the big man keep up that momentum this season? We'll debate. Don't miss it. second hour of golf today Tony Finau makes his season debut this week at the Mayakoba he's coming off a two win season but is his best yet to come we play a little buy and sell and we're joined by one of the best voices in the business Jim Nance stops by as we recognize the start of Alzheimer's Awareness Month he shares why raising awareness for this disease has become such a passion Golf today. And it is a pleasure to welcome back our number two of golf today. As we said, the PGA Tour, of course, concluding the international portion of its autumn season with the Worldwide Technologies Championship at Mayakoba this week. After two years in which no public tickets were sold due to the coronavirus pandemic, spectators will be welcomed back this week week so with that Damon here we are you know at this time of year all of a sudden I guess I don't know if it's with Halloween yesterday you look back and you go can you believe we're in November yeah it's starting to get a little darker it's starting to get a little bit colder and yet we're able to look to the tour who brings us down into paradise where it's warm and sunny Need it, man, uh, especially this time of year. You know, I lived in New York City for 12 years, so it's not like I'm unfamiliar with the winter. But last winter, I felt like we didn't see the sun for, like, about 88 straight days at one point. So, oh. yeah, being, you know, kind of on the doorstep of winter, and fall is gorgeous in Connecticut, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's nice to be able to have some cameras poised on El Camelion this week have in Mexico. Have you any of the uh, holiday music yet? Not yet. I haven't seen any commercials uh, for, for, the, for Thanksgiving or Christmas yet, but I know it's I coming. Heard it today for the first time. Did you really? Yeah, I heard Are you ready? Uh, Two time champion Victor Hovland, of course, highlights an incredibly strong uh, position that he's trying to defend, including with him world number two Scotty Scheffler, who's looking to get back to number one. Colin Morikawa in world number 14. Tony Finau, who is making his season debut. Tony met with the media earlier today. Let's listen. My experiences in the past. I've shown just being part of some of these teams late into September, um, you're kind of on from August to September. You got the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, you're trying to make a push to, to East Lake, and then at East Lake, you're trying to win the FedEx Cup. And then you really don't have any time off. You know, you have a couple weeks to prepare for a big cup, whether that's the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. This year, I knew in my mind, the back of my mind, that I was going to make sure I was prepared for the President's Cup. But when the President's Cup was done, I, I wanted to rest. I knew I needed it. And, um, again, just my experiences in the past, um, I knew that I needed to um, just get away from it for a little bit mentally and emotionally and physically and then uh, would be excited to come back and play. So that's how I feel now. I'm definitely um, eager to compete again and just be back out and um, doing what I love, and that's competing and playing golf. What do you expect out of the game? Yeah, I don't feel too rusty, you know. Um, I had a nice practice week um, last week in Scottsdale. I spent about 10 days back, uh, back home in Scottsdale, and the weather was perfect. Um, they are coming out of oversee most of the golf courses there. The greens weren't as good as I would have, have liked to practice on, but overall, I felt like I had some really nice reps. I had a nice uh, day yesterday with my caddy, reuniting with him uh, since the President's Cup, and 
um, and things. So um, my game feels good, and you know I expect to just continue competing at a high level. You know, honestly, I think uh, you know my I've, my game has improved. I feel like each year of my career, and you know I'd like to just pick up kind of where I left off, hopefully. Yeah, well, I I just know that I enjoy I enjoy playing a lot of the a lot of these events. You know, I again this is our family's favorite resort. Um, you know, one of the golf courses that I enjoy playing. It's a place that uh, I hope I can come back and compete. And um, you know, that's the case for I think a lot of the fall events. You know, I I'll be playing next week in Houston, another golf course that I enjoy, another city that I like, and um, I think a lot of the top players you know would agree that the some of the fall events are some of our favorite on tour. Yeah, it's amazing to get this type of field. I think, uh, as as we all alluded to, you know, this is my seventh start. I think one of the stronger fields that we've had, and, and the seven starts that I've had here. And um, it's just nice. I think guys um, that visit here, play the golf course, um, enjoy the vibe. It's a golf course that I've always. Um, been a fan of. It's a place I've always been a fan of. So I think as guys have traveled and taken the time to play it, you know, have enjoyed it. And, you know, we have ex you know, number one player in the world here, Scotty Scheffler. And um, it's cool to have a, a really nice field. I can ask one more. <laughs> uh, next year, you know, you now know what the elevated, extra elevated events are going to be. Have you had a little time to digest what the schedule is going to look like? Uh, and from January on uh, this year, and you know, is that is it an exciting time for you to, to see all those events? Yeah, no doubt. I love all the all the events that have been elevated. Uh, I really enjoy. I play most of them, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, to that challenge. I think it's nice to have a lot of the best players in the world playing together more often. I think that's something that our game needs, and um, and the reason for these elevated events. So I think the. The events that that have been elevated this next season, um, I'm really looking forward to, and um, I'm sure for most guys in the world, uh, top top players in the world uh, would agree. We'll finish up here with Doug and then Dave. Maybe going out on a stretch here, but any parallels to 2016 Puerto Rico uh, track we first one on tour? Yeah, I think there are some parallels. I think mostly just the vibe, <laughs> you know, similar weather. Um, it can it can get breezy here. I would say Puerto Rico gets a lot a lot windier than than here. But yeah, I would say just the vibe and the feel, you know, um, can kind of put you in the same kind of in the same mind mind frame. So um, yeah, I think looking back at two, in 2016, you know, you were there, Doug. I think it's uh, definitely some good vibes, and hopefully, I bring those winning vibes here this week. Tony Finau, where he be now in the winner's circle of late. July 3M Open erased a five-shot deficit with 11 holes to play. Final round 67 to come from behind and win for the third time on the PGA Tour. Yep, hoist that trophy. Then he won for the second straight week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Final round 67 again, 26 under 262 at Detroit.
Golf Club to beat Patrick Cantlay, Cameron Young, and Taylor Pendrith by five shots. So here's a look at his season in review. You can see Tony Finau, 20 of 25 cuts, seven top tens, two runner-up finishes, and of course those two victories again, the 3M Open, and of course at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So with that, it is time for a little buy or sell Tony Finau edition. So buy or sell Tony Finau. Has he definitively shed any stigma of not being a, quote, true winner with all the runner-ups in between wins. Yes, he has. He shed that skin, Matty Adams. He has by winning back-to-back -back on the PGA Tour, by being someone who has 10 top 10s in major championships, four top fives. Yeah, the resume now looks a little bit different when you say he's a four-time winner on the PGA Tour, having doubled his total of wins on the PGA Tour with that storyline hanging over his head. That's the thing. He was asked about it time after time, stop after PGA Tour stop. When will you get it done? He got it done, and then he got it done again, adopting that Mamba mentality, which he talked about years ago when he yeah. lost to Webb Simpson in Phoenix. Yes, I think he has shed that stigma. Totally agree, okay. uh, Tony, Tony Fino. So a buy on that one, I guess. I totally agree on that because when he was asked about it, it was, it was with understanding. If, if you notice the last question he was asked today about 2016 and similar kind of setting, he called it a vibe in terms of where they're playing this week. But after he won in 2016, he had eight runner-up finishes. So right. it, in fairness, there was merit to him being asked about it, even though at times I'm sure it can grade on a player where you're constantly having to answer to why you're not getting it done. But what was interesting through that whole period is that Tony Finau never lost the spark. He never lost the hope. I think he never lost the belief that he was capable of doing it. However, once he did do it, now we're talking about the five-inch fairway between mm. the ears. Once he broke through from the standpoint of just mad natural, natural talent, that's the thing that I think carries him across the line now. Because we always knew that he had the physical skills to do it. Now he knows that he can do it, and I think it's going to come in bunches. Let's take a look at his, his career. He won in Puerto Rico. He won on the playoffs, Liberty National. Now he won two times last season. How about buy or sell this statement? Tony Finau's best season hasn't happened yet. I would agree with that, actually, because, again, when we look at, at the total body of work from Tony Finau, he went through such a long stretch where he was knocking on the door. Sometimes it was his fault. Sometimes it was just a twist of fate that kept him from being in the winner's circle. Tony Finau knows where he belongs, right? You could just tell the way he carries himself, the company that he puts himself in in terms of his competitiveness mm. out in the golf course. So from my standpoint, I think that the Tony Finau we're seeing now is a Tony Finau we've never seen before. So coming off those victories, as I just mentioned to you, that I think they're going to come in bunches because he's capable of it, even in a casual round where he shoots in the 50s. Yeah. I think Tony Finau now is different than any Tony Finau during the course of his career. Looks like he is setting the table for something special at the age of 33. Now, I have a tendency at times to hand out nine major championships when there are only four a year, so I got to be careful here. But I do think that a World Golf Championship is in his future or a major championship is in his future, despite us talking so strongly, rightfully so, about the likes of Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Colin Morikawa. It's going to be hard 
for Tony. He's been in the mix, but I think in terms of the jet fuel that he has with the confidence that he must carry after winning back-to-back -back weeks, after answering those questions, he has the game. I, I think he's putting much more freely. I think in the throws of all those key. top tens, not leaving those putts short, I, putting with key. a lot more authority. Yeah, I think the key is the putter. Yes. What does he do with the putter? Because if you look at a player of the, of the likes that you were just talking about, by and large, the thing that we're talking about there is power. Mm. Right? The ability of these players to power it out there. Now, Colin Morikawa might be an outliner in that. He's not like he's short by yes. any measure, but his iron play is so good that he can stick it close mm. to those pins. But everybody else, we're talking about the ability at times to overwhelm a golf course with just pure power. Tony Finau has that. The question with Tony is what putter is going to show up right. week to week. And if the putter is on song, if the putter is a little bit more calm because there is a sense of belief that flows behind it, yeah. then if that flat stick's working, then watch out. We know he has big plans in this game. And earlier today in Mexico, he shared his thoughts on making the U.S. Ryder Cup team in Rome. I know for sure, um, right off the top of my head, um, you know, being on that Ryder Cup team and, uh, in Rome is, is going to be a goal of mine, and it's something that uh, I think a lot of guys um, want to be a part of. So I'm, one, I'm included in that, and I'd love to be a part of that team in Rome. So I think right out of the, right out of the gate, that's something that I, that I know will be one of my goals. Big goal for Tony. Is he a lock for the U.S. Ryder Cup team in 2023 in Roma, Marco Simone? You know, as much as I'm a believer in Tony Finau with everything that we just talked about in terms of, of what he is capable of, he's not a lock for the United mm. States Ryder Cup team. Not, not in my view. Right now, he's 35th in the rankings. If you, if you look at his body of work when you're talking, say, Ryder Cup, and let's talk President's Cup, too, because they look upon it as Team USA. It's an umbrella that covers uh, both of those events from the perspective of the, of the players mm. behind it. Uh, his record in the Ryder Cup is 3-3-0. and oh. His record in the President's Cup is 3-2-3. Three, three. So, overall, he is 6-5-3. Winning record. Uh, in fairness to him, yeah. It, is, yeah. it is a winning record, yeah. but it's not a record that is so dominant that when you're thinking about Tony Finau, that regardless of what he does between now and then, you'd say, oh, well, he's definitely got to be on there. He's got to be a lock because uh, he, he is playing so well. We can't be without him. The intangible with Tony is that he very much like Scotty Scheffler, remember, uh, is a player that the other players want in that locker room. Get it? Respect that. But you can't put a player on the team at this point who's not close to being on the team. We've got a huge amount of time between now and then. If he earns his way close or onto automatic and slams the door, get it, understand it, capable of it, has the potential to do it. But to sit here in November of 2022 and say that he's a lock for the Ryder Cup team, that I'm not buying. What I'm going to sit here on November 1st, 2022, and say he is a lock for the Ryder Cup team. Please. You might not put him on. Zach can't put him on yet, but I think because of what you said toward the end of, of your talk there about the players want him on that team, I think that carries a lot of weight in this era post-task force where the players' voices much more collaborative than the top-down leadership that we saw during the struggles. Barring some injury, barring some unforeseen loss of form because of the cohesion that he brings the locker room presence that he is yep. as a good guy, as a non-troublemaker, as someone who doesn't have the baggage of some of those teams. And look, they won 
despite the Brooks Bryson brouhaha in 2021 or 2022 in, in Wisconsin, I think that Tony's game, I think that Tony's demeanor, popularity, and winning record make him a lock. A sliver of a winning record against a time when the, when the American teams were actually winning. So I think that that total should be a little bit stronger. But if you take a look at players that have, for example, received the captain's pick, regardless of how much they are beloved in the locker room, if they are outside mm. of, on the, on the points ranking, say 15th, 16th, even 17th, it's really hard for a captain to dig deep and grab. He is right now, November 1st, 2022, 35th well, he's in the points. He's making his season debut. I get point. it, but he's 35th in the points. The one thing that you said, that's kind of the get-out-of-jail-free card with all of that, is if he continues in his most yes, current yeah, form. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if he continues in his most current form, he's going to be so close or he's going to earn his way onto the team. All yeah. I'm saying right now is unless he does that, I do not see him as automatic. I just think in this recent era of players throwing each other under the bus and captains not communicating, I'm talking Patrick Reed and Jim Furyk and... Tiger, I should have had a different partner, and Spieth and Reed and Brooks and Bryson. Those, those scars, to me, are still fresh, Matt. I, I think the Americans will be smart to continue to focus on cohesion and communication yeah. and not rest on their laurels. And I think Tony Finau has been a part of the recent success of these American squads. Well, again, you have to define how he's been a part of the recent success. Yes. Clearly, he's a guy that they like to be around for yeah. all those reasons that you're talking about. And the only thing I'm saying is that if it is a criteria of simply saying he should be there yeah. from a lock position because the players want him there from a lock position, I look at that and say, isn't that mentality part of the mentality that got the United States Ryder Cup team in mm. trouble over the last mm. couple of decades? Because it was kind of a, this is our club and let's bring back the same guys that we've been going into battle with for all these years. And they kept losing. I don't think Tony Finau necessarily is one that fits that particular sure. mold necessarily, but I think that the performance has to come before all other considerations. And again, reiterating, he is capable of the performance, yeah. but until the performance is proven, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be a lock in that situation. It's a good point that you make. We'll see if he can make a big step forward this week Or just continuing the steps. Which I think doing. so. Yeah. I think he's right there and probably never more confident than he is right now on the PGA Tour at the age of 33. All right, folks, after the break, we're joined by a very special guest, one of the best voices in the business. Jim Nance joins the program. We recognize the start of Alzheimer's Awareness Month. He shares why this cause is so near and dear to his heart. Welcome back to Golf Today. In January, we lost a special part of our Golf Channel team. Our friend and colleague, Tim Rosefort, passed away after a brief battle with Alzheimer's disease. He was 66 years old. One of the game's most well-respected voices and well-connected reporters, Tim covered more than 125 majors and 17 Ryder Cups. During his standout career, he received both the PGA of America's Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism and the Memorial Tournament's Golf Journalism Award. The PGA also awarded him a lifetime membership, the first journalist to receive the honor. Recently, Rosie's friends and family came together to honor his life and legacy, while also raising awareness for the disease, which has claimed so many lives. 
As we begin the month of November, we recognize Alzheimer's Awareness Month. One person who has been personally impacted by this disease is CBS sportscaster Jim Nance, who lost his father, Jim Nance, second after a 13-year battle with Alzheimer's. Nance continues to lead the fight to eradicate this disease, making a lifetime commitment in 2011 to found the Nance National Alzheimer's Center at Houston Methodist. We are absolutely honored to have Jim Nance joining us right now. And Jim, I read that you first recalled something was amiss with your dad when you were at a golf tournament together with him in Fort Worth. In your experience, what were some of those early signs well, first off, I'm so grateful that you guys are acknowledging this is uh, an important time to raise awareness in the month of November. And I know, Matt, if this uh, really strikes close to home with you and your mom, um, this is uh, something that is a very gigantic issue around the world. And uh, I didn't know much about it until that fateful day at the Colonial Tournament in 1995. He just, uh, he, he, uh, he suffered what was called at the time a TIA and uh, it's like a mini stroke, and he never really fully recovered from it. But within uh, a few months of that, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, you know, all, I think a lot of people can relate to this. At first, I think that the person stricken with it realizes something's amiss, and they're, they're, they're internally, they're very frightened by it, but they try their best to cover it up and act normal. But, you know, dates are wrong, names are upside down. Um, it's just things are just a little bit off. We recognize that that it, it, for maybe a year leading up to that mini stroke, that things were just fractionally off with my dad, getting names again, a little bit upside down. There are a lot of different versions of the disease, some that are will last a long time. My dad survived it after diagnosis for 13 years. And then there's the accelerated kind, uh, which it sounds like was in your family, Matt, with your mom. Um, but nonetheless, this is something that we, we really need to get our hands around. And I made a commitment in 2011 to try to create the best Alzheimer's clinical care and research institute in the world. Now that's aggressive because there's a lot of great research institutes in the world, but the Nance National Alzheimer's Center, which is named for my dad at Houston Methodist, is right now the, is the top, it's considered the top research and care center in the South Central United States. We're right on the front lines of all the latest research and clinical trials that are going on. And I'm happy to say that there's some good things that are happening. We have some positive results for the first time in the Alzheimer's research world. Jim, we see these intelligent, thoughtful, robust people like your dad hit with this disease. In what ways is that the hardest part, both for them and the families? Yeah, well, well Damien, you just can't even imagine that someone that can be, like you said, so mentally uh, alert and the life of a party can suddenly just forget his own family and forget his own name and... Um, and if, if you look at the people through the years who have fallen victim to this disease, it's been an unwinnable, of course, disease up to this point. And hopefully we can turn that around sometime in the near future with at first treatment and late, later a cure. Um, it's just it, the, the names of people that were just gigantic figures in the literary world and the arts in leadership positions. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't have any sector of the world that uh, it doesn't attack. And, uh, you know, and I think that the numbers are obviously well into the millions, five million uh, in, in the United States alone. And of course, this is not something that's just exclusive to the US, it's, a, it's around the world that have been diagnosed with it or currently alive with it. 
Jim, as torturous as it is for individuals and families to go through this, I'm sure now that you have the Nance National Alzheimer's Center, you have been able to be touched personally by the way that you guys are helping families. Can you share with us that kind of, if you will, I guess, vision of hope? Well, you know what we're selling, Matt? We're, we're really, and we're not, it's not false selling. We're trying to let people know there is hope that we are doing our all. We have an amazing team in Houston. Um, we actually cared for over 4,000 individuals last year. Nice. And we've had nine different trial programs that uh, that are currently uh, we are a part of administering uh, the latest drugs and attempts to try to find answers. Uh, there was this one drug that came out of Biogen called Lacanamab, which in September showed good results. It's the first, honestly, it's the first positive news we've had in the Alzheimer's research world. Again, I'm not talking exclusively to the NNAC at Houston Methodist. I'm talking inside the world, but we were. We were one of the top uh, ones that were addressing that and administering that that trial. And we expect that the FDA is going to approve this in 2023, which is going to be a wonderful first step getting our, our, our hands around this. And in, in my case, you know, because it, it, you, you try to keep it confidential of who's being treated there. Uh, but we have famous golfers through the years that have that I've I have brought to Houston. To, to be in front of our researchers uh, from uh, Dr. Joe Mazdu and, and Dr. Stan Appel and our entire team there, um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Roman in, in Houston. We, we have a lot of NFL players who, of course, are coming at it from, from uh, concussion-related dementia and running trials with them. Uh, and we had Tim Rosefort there. I want to get back to how you started. Timmy was an incredible friend to everybody in the golf business and the outpouring of love that we saw in Tim's battle and ultimately his passing. I I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it for anyone. He was so beloved. And I, I hope that Genevieve and, and, and the girls still understand how much uh, their husband and father was so central to our lives. Those of us who live in the golf community, whether we're covering it in the media or whether we're playing it, Tim was a standalone guy that stood for excellence and honesty and integrity, and people loved him. And it was an honor to be able to stand up at the memorial event and accept on behalf of Tim, and then to be able to be a gateway to try to get him on some programs. Unfortunately, he was a little too far along in the process. He was past early onset. But to have him visit our doctors and to try to give Genevieve and the girls um, uh, a little bit of hope, it was an honor to know him and uh, to be one of his friends. Well put. Jim, you talked about the doctors you've spoken with and the breakthroughs that have been coming in this realm. Are you optimistic that at some point in our lifetime that there could be a cure reached in this battle against Alzheimer's? Well, I put it this way. When I, when I, I realized when my father's battle became very public, I wrote a book about my father called Always By My Side meaning he would figuratively always be by my side. And he is. He's been gone for 14 years. I feel his presence every day. Um, I, I knew that I had a platform off of that book. So many people reached out, and thankfully the book found an audience. It was a New York Times bestseller week one and lasted for a long time. Instant New York Times bestseller. So there was an audience, and I was on a lot of shows to talk about it. And suddenly I was flooded with so many responses from people who understood 
what what my family had been through and what my sweet mom and sister had done to try to keep my father's dignity intact and keep him afloat. Um, I knew then I had to do something more with my life than just calling the great championships of American sport. I had a platform. I had a voice. My voice is my father's voice. That's what I like to say. I sound exactly like my father did. <laughs> I had no training. He had no training. He actually was never interviewed or never on TV or anything like that. He was just a great dad who cared for his family. And But I wanted to take my voice, again, his, in other words, and let it be heard to try to create change and find a way in my lifetime before I take my last breath that I know that the opponent that defeated my dad, I got to be a part of a very large group at the NNAC, at Methodist, Houston Methodist, and all these other great research institutes around the United States that were a part of the team that defeated the opponent that defeated my dad. And that became my life mission. And um, I'm very proud to say that Things don't move at a rapid pace, but I'm proud to say that we are starting to see a trickle-in effect of some positive signs. And uh, this Lekanomob research that came out in September, it was plastered everywhere, Wall Street Journal, front page, etc. There is some super positivity as a first step that we will get there, Damon, to what you were talking about, that yes, we will defeat this. Uh, Jim... Obviously, the, the emotions that you're expressing, the commitment that you have made uh, to honor your father. Uh, you've got a picture of your left shoulder, it looks like, of your mom, who you've recently lost, which we're sorry uh, to learn as well. It's excellent. This, this is my mom. She passed away four weeks ago yesterday. And she dedicated her life, obviously, my dad did too, but for caring for my dad, like my sister Nancy did. And those were really, really tough years. You know, I was out chasing a dream and flying all over the country and trying to get to Houston as much as I could, as often as I could, to try to help. But every day, and people that have been in this know the caregiving side. It's the untold story. These are the heroes. Right there. My hero. My anchor. I, Jim, I, uh, I do want to ask you this, too, before we lose your company today. Whether mm -hmm. it's an individual that's concerned about themselves or whether it's a family member that perhaps is worried about a loved one in, in, in their life, what do you recommend for people in terms of recognizing these early signs and trying to take action? Because you alluded to the fact of, of getting this when it's an early onset. Well, that's a, that's the great question. I'm glad you asked that. Early is absolutely pivotal because when you get, you start to notice things are fractionally a little bit off. I'm not talking about forgetting the car keys. Everybody does that, and that comes with age. But get a, a diagnosis and get help early because there are trials out there and all of them have to be in that early stage. We don't want to get to the uh, uh, mild uh, cognitive disorder. We, we want to be early so we can give your loved one a chance to have uh, uh, the ability to be treated and to delay the process. So don't wait. Don't wait. Um, and recognize it. Go see a neurologist locally. If we can help you, nancefriends.org at Houston Methodist. That's the, the home of the Nance Center. And uh, we'd love to help. We're all in this together. Brilliant. Jim, we are lucky to have you in this fight. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for your time today. I think it's awesome. I, you know how much I love Golf Channel and how much I watch it, probably more than anybody on the planet. So I'm grateful for what you guys do all the time, but for you to dedicate this kind of time in Alzheimer's Awareness Month, 
I'm very, very grateful. So thank you to everyone there, you guys, behind the scenes, Courtney, everybody uh, that's a part of this. Appreciate you very much. Thank God you. bless. Thank you, Jim, and you too. Thank Wonderful you. to have you thank on you. this Tuesday. And as we go to break, we once again remember our friend Tim Rosefort, who lost his battle with Alzheimer's, along with the numerous lives and families impacted by this tragic disease. We continue to do our part to raise awareness and fight for a cure.